Welcome to the WXYNZ Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome into the podcast. We are kicking it off. Whitley here with my buddy Zane. And I'm sorry, Zane, it's, I've kind of taken a hiatus from the podcasting. And there's been <laughs> a lot going on, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I, can't, I can't blame you. I think you got a pretty good reason. Yeah, she's a pretty good reason. We had our, our baby girl, and um, she was supposed to be here on Wednesday. We had a C-section scheduled. That's kind of what we assumed was going to happen. And then, of course, right as you get to assuming, I get woken up by my wife Saturday morning at 3.30. She said, hey, my water broke. And, of course, I had to argue with her and tell her that it didn't. And then it <laughs> turns, out, <laughs> turns out we go to the hospital that morning and uh, she was right and we had our baby girl and man I'm super pumped and I'm, I'm really tired too so um, we got a <laughs> lot of nice like gifts sent to us and everything a gift that I'll always remember too is um I was playing um, fantasy football that next day and watching the games and Christian McCaffrey had four touchdowns but it turned out he was actually playing against me so Josh Reeves had Christian McCaffrey and that was my push present, I guess, for having our, our baby girl. <laughs> it's, uh, McCaffrey posting 48 points on me. That's one I'll never forget. So, but yeah, no, it's been it's been awesome. It's been a dream. But, man, I'm tired. There's been no 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 time to really um, research fantasy football or anything like that. I'm just trying to sleep when I get little pockets. Yeah, man. Anybody who's ever had a kid, you know, fully understands. Uh, mine's six months old now. And the first couple of weeks – are just the absolute trenches, man. <laughs> like yeah. men- mentally and physically, like no sleep. And like, you're sitting there and you're just coming to grips with the reality that how much your life just changed. And um, <laughs> it's a lot of process at one time. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little, we both got little girls. So pretty awesome. Little blessings, man. I'm excited. Liliana and Remy Ray. So I'm sure yep. they'll, maybe they'll grow up and play fantasy football one day. Who knows? For sure, bro. Yeah, maybe their teams will be better than ours, too. That's my hope for them. Most likely. <laughs> yeah, they haven't <laughs> set a very high bar this year. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, let's dive into, like, some week four recap. I know the last time we had a podcast was before week four happened. So um, anything stick out as far as week four, some players or some overall NFL teams that caught your eye? Yeah, for sure. Um, there, there was a lot to unpack, like you said. You know, with Christian McCaffrey, um, that's that's the thing. You know, Christian McCaffrey. I know I'm biased because I'm a Panthers fan. And he was on our team, but every year I'm like, how can I justify taking any of these guys over Christian McCaffrey? I mean, he's two players in one. Nobody else is that. And you know, obviously the injuries is what holds him back, and what is why people aren't drafting him number one overall. But it's just one of those years. If he stays healthy, he's just a walking nuclear bomb of fantasy points for you. And so far, the, the 49ers have maximized him and gotten everything out of him. And just like that, he's the number one running back on the season by a, a mile. Um, he's got 120 points. And Raheem Mostert and David, Devin Ajane is second and fourth. And we're, we know they're going to tail off. Two of those guys can't remain. We saw Mostert suffer last week. So he's going to tail off. And then you got, like, Ken Walker and Kyron Williams, you know, how long can they hold those positions up top? So, and they're not even that high. You know, you qu- quickly, 
quickly once you get to like Pollard, Swift, Montgomery, Henry, you're at 60 points in, in four games. It's like that's that's good, but not 120 like McCaffrey. Yeah. He, he has he has double the points they do. And then after that, man, you know, like Pacheco, James Cook, Josh Jacobs, Etienne, James Conner, Jerome Ford, like all these guys are in the same ballpark in the 50s. Joe Mixon, Madison, it's just a whole pool of them of, of what most of the running backs are doing um, there. So, yeah, if you have McCaffrey this year and you hit on some receivers, <laughs> congratulations. Man, that's true. It's just a freight train right now. And he's going up against the Dallas defense this week. And Dallas is a pretty stout defense, but it doesn't matter. I mean, everyone expects CMC to be the unquestioned number one running back on the week. And I'm sure he will be. Yeah, for sure. And, and then, of course, you know, <laughs> I always said you're going to get a lot of ups and downs with A.J. Brown this year is why I didn't draft him because I think there's going to be too much inconsistency. But if you did draft him th- this week is, you know, one of the reasons why. Because he'll go out there and just win you weeks like, by himself. He'll also lose you some, um, but he'll win you some. So, AJ Brown uh, owners finally got some relief and, and paid off with a big game. Josh Allen and Diggs were who everybody thought they were. Uh, your boy Nico Collins bounced back, man. Had a quiet game. He had a huge week, and uh, in in our dynasty league, Whitley capitalized on the 34 point game for Montgomery and went ahead and traded him away for some assets for some future first round picks. So, um, yeah, that felt nice. Yeah, man, that's nice because we keep saying Jameer Gibbs is going to break out. And if he does, that's going to be looking pretty nice. But still, man, Monty looks like he's going to get the work this year. Um, So I like what you did in in Dynasty for next year. But, yeah, Monty just continues to impress. So the running backs is always a big story, you know, when you have these these running backs popping off. But unfortunately, man, there's just very few that are winning you games. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you have a couple of spike weeks and you're hoping your running back gets the touchdown. But beyond CMC, I mean, Bijan is, is way up there. He hasn't had the touchdowns this year, but if you added, you know, two or three touchdowns to, to his stat line for the season, he would be, you know, well and above the other tier of backs. And so Josh Jacobs finally had a get-right game. Um, Tony Pollard, you know, has he's been okay. Um, Saquon's been hurt. Like you said, Kyron Williams is right up there. And then – we have a lot of pleasant surprises like Swift, HN, DeMont, um, guys like that. So, and then tons of, co- of backs just in that next bin of, hey, well, will they have an okay game or not? I mean, the the Derrick Henrys, the Travis Etienne's, the Mixons, James Cook, James Connor, Madison, Stevenson. I mean, there's so many backs that will have a decent workload, but they just have not have not given you that kind of weak winning upside that we've seen thus far. So maybe yeah. some of those guys will bust out of that big tier and into uh, just a weekly RB one locked and loaded running back. But there's just, there's just not that many of them. Yeah. Not that many of them at all. And, Oh, you know, one takeaway, this is kind of my, uh, my sleeper pick here of it's like somebody who's not going to get a lot of attention. We four takeaway, man, like, Congrats to, to Romeo Dobbs owners. I mean, the guy yeah. was free, mostly a waiver wire pickup. And always said at the beginning of the season, you know, one thing you want is just consistency, right? You want a guy who can consistently give you points. And in his three out of four games, he's gotten 18.6, 18.3, 18.5. So <laughs> he's consistently being a big factor in your flex for being a free player. I, I've been running him in my dynasty flex. and <laughs> He's been doing pretty well. 
So he continues to impress, man. Somebody who, if he is still on the waiver wire, go get him. He might be in some some uh, smaller leagues, but he's still. I haven't seen him in a lot of starting lineups still. And it's like, hey, go get yourself some eighteen points. Yeah. So that makes me think too. Um, what do you think with Christian Watson coming back? I know he he had like a very he had his training wheels on basically this last game, and he plays Monday night, so he's had some more time. The Packers have been really slow, methodical, overall careful with easing him back in with those hamstrings, kind of like the Rams have with Cooper Cup. But um, do you think when Watson is a full go, what what's that target share breakdown going to look like between yeah, for Dobbs? Sure. For sure. So I, I'm a little bit worried about Christian Watson. And the reason I say that is because, yes, he, he came back and he was on, you know, training wheels and he had – you know, very limited action, but he still played about 50% of the snaps. I think you told me that he ran about what 19 routes was the stats. Yeah. And he, and he had, and he had two catches, right. And one of them was a touchdown, which was, was nice. They got him to the the 10 points, but you know, he didn't really do much outside of that, you know, two catches for, for 25 yards. So obviously the trading wheels thing is a fighter. I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but when he was on the field, he wasn't really commanding any more targets than Dobbs. And if that trend continues, we have no idea if it will. It won't surprise me either way. But if that trend continues, then you know Dobbs is going to keep getting the same amount of targets that he that he's been getting. And yeah, you know he's going to still play a factor. And and they could have two startable wide receivers if they can still get Watson, you know, eight nine targets a game, and he can have better than a fifty percent catch rate like he did last game he could definitely be a fighter as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is the right answer. It looks like it will be, is that we might have two startable receivers in Green Bay, and it might just squeeze out some guys like Jalen Reed and Musgraves and, you know, take a couple targets away from them. And uh, Watson might not be taking that many targets away from Dobbs because Dobbs seems like that, just a good possession receiver. And, um, and Watson might hit the big play, big run after catch and things like that. But right. I don't know if he's that possession receiver. Right, exactly. So he's going to be living or dying on on bigger plays, which he can he can do. So he could still be great. But like they got a comfort zone right now. It seems with Dobbs in the end zone, and I like that. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that, that's something that they feel comfortable with. They're going to scheme plays around him in the red zone, and so you don't have to rely on big yards, high catches. And if he gets those, he's going to have a monster game. Yeah. And speaking of, you know wide receiver groups that have two two big time fantasy assets we need to figure out what do you think as far as puka nakua thus far um and then cooper cup set to come back and play in week five so i'm i'm still standing on the same hill that i started off on just a little bit lower to the ground my hill was a lot bigger at the beginning but i still think what i said is going to hold some truth you know i said that uh Pikachu was going to be a pretty good option for four weeks. And then it was going to kind of tailor off. And I still think that's going to happen. But when I said that, you know, my expectation was that he was going to be, you know, Pikachu was going to be irrelevant when Cooper Cup came back. And I don't think that's the case, but I'm not buying into, you know, the idea yet that a rookie receiver is just going to unseat the triple crown winner, um, you know, because he had some some good games if he's back from injury. I think Cup's going to go back to being the target leader. 
that's going to cut into Pikachu's action. So I, I, I altered it to where I think I think he's still startable, but I just wouldn't be expecting these like 30 point games with him, you know, being one of the most targeted receivers in NFL history. I think the most targeted through four games. So I think his stats are definitely going to tailor off with Cooper Cup coming back. And I got Cooper Cup on the IR in a league that I have a really good team in. And so I am hoping he just steps right back into his previous role. Yeah, I do too. And I, I'm sure if he if he's healthy enough and trusts that hamstring enough to to really hit those routes and kind of run his full route tree, Stafford is going to feed Cup immediately. I mean, hats off to Puka for doing what he's done. I do think Puka's role will be more like Robert Woods and Van Jefferson. He's been running cardio anyways, but Tutu will probably be the one that suffers the most when, when Cooper cup comes back. Yeah. Um, and they've surprisingly put Tutu in the slot um, more than Puka. So I think cup will slide right into the slot. He might even be opposite side of the field as Puka. And I think it'll be kind of like a traditional Rams offense with what we were used to seeing with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup both being top 20 wide receivers. And Cup, I mean, definitely being probably a top five wide receiver if he's fully healthy. And then Puka being, you know, a, a later top, you know, back end of the top 20 is is kind of how I envision it going. Yeah, for sure. And and the crazy part about Stafford, and like the thing that makes me kind of stand on my ground that he's going to tailor off, you know, Pikachu is, is because Stafford historically – He's, he's good enough to where he doesn't have to throw it to the open guy. He can make a throw work to a good receiver that he trusts. You know, we, we see Cobb getting catches when he's guarded all the time. Just good throws. They have that connection. And we see Stafford historically kind of have eyes for one guy. You know, he just picks the guy he likes and just throws it to him over and over again. So it'll be interesting to see if Stafford has enough value and sees enough value in Pikachu to where he kind of changes his philosophy and starts spreading the ball out more. Yeah, and so here's another wide receiver tandem, and it's um, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. And I know this is kind of going off of our – we didn't have much of a plan. We just kind of wanted to basically record. But I'm going to just keep on throwing these receiver tandems out at you. But what do you think? I mean, it's so far after the week one explosion for Calvin Ridley, which seems like so long ago at this point, and now we've seen Christian Kirk really just outplay and outproduce Calvin Ridley. What do you think as far as those two receivers moving forward? I still like Ridley in this scenario because, you know, A, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, just in terms of NFL in general from last week, you know, they were on my on my list of interesting teams because they kind of dominated the Falcons. I mean, it was 23-7. to 7. It wasn't a very close game. And they handled that well and still, you know, put up 23 points and nobody on the offense you were like that happy with, you know, and if they're just going to lean on the defense like that and their offense just hasn't looked great, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about them in general, but I think there's a big factor based around the fact that last year, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk played a whole season together. So there's still a lot more chemistry there than there is with Ridley. And I think Ridley's the, the more talented receiver. And he's had some, some good games, but Kirk has obviously been the leader on that team. But once that chemistry is developed, you know, I can definitely see Ridley still being wide receiver one by the end of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let's 
let's um we talked a little bit about week four and mostly about receivers but anything else on week four that stood out to you or yeah just a couple things in the nfl in general you know the the bills i mean one thing that drives me crazy is i don't know why but the media just like it is so quick to turn on josh allen and this dude has produced the most touchdowns in the nfl (laughs) since he since 2019 and He's every year they're like, oh, well, they threw too many interceptions. They like nitpick, but the dude just wins games, puts up points. You know, had a, a very unfortunate playoff against Patrick Mahomes, where you know they should have advanced to the Super Bowl. So Josh Allen is is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm not <laughs> thinking anything less. And after his uh, game one against the Jets, you know, the media was just torturing him all week, and look what he's been doing ever since. And to come out and have a statement game where you demolish the team that just dropped mm-hmm. 70 points the week before and proved that you're still the team to be in that division. You're not slipping. Um, that was, that was great for the bills uh, to see. Yeah, I agree. That was pretty cool. Cause the dolphins had so much hype going into that game. So, yeah. And then Tampa Bay bouncing back, continuing to look like a good team. Uh, you, the Rams Stafford just keep pull, pulling out games. The Texans, I begged for Stroud all, all season. Man, I did you not, did. I, I did not want Young. Stroud was my guy the entire time. This dude's lighting up the NFL, and Bryce Young is can't even take a QB sneak. So, um, Houston is dominating the Steelers. <laughs> you know, crazy stuff happening. Yeah, the Texans, the Colts, the Rams, um, those teams that you just mentioned. I mean, those are just fun teams. Surprisingly fun teams. Mm-hmm. And the Buccaneers. That was the fourth one I was going to talk about. Those four teams are just fantasy friendly and a lot of fun to watch this year so pleasant surprises and the Giants man I mean the Giants I did not expect them to be that bad so that was a miss on my part and it drug everybody down I mean I thought Danny Dimes would be a streamable quarterback you know I thought Saquon was going to be a locked and loaded top three maybe top five running back and injuries probably the reason he hasn't but man even when he gets fully healthy off that ankle that offensive line they just cannot – they cannot block. So, it's – I mean, we weren't expecting any wide receivers to do any good with the Giants, but we did think Waller would. But, man, I mean, Danny doesn't even have time to, to throw back there. It's just been yeah. a fire. Yeah, and it, it makes me happy a little bit because I, I remember Kay Wood was pretty upset when the Panthers took Iggy over Evan Neal. And a lot of us were excited – uh, and, you know, you kind of look back now, and Evan Neal is not playing well. Uh, he's not very good. And now he's got some drama going on where he, between him and the fans. Ooh. So, yeah, the, the Giants, the offensive line is just abysmal. And they're, you know, them and the Bengals are my two candidates after week four that put in the category the city is on fire um, because those are teams that had pretty high expectations compared to their previous seasons. You know, the Bengals were Super Bowl hopefuls. The Giants were playoff hopefuls. And both teams are just getting crushed and look absolutely broken. Yeah, you're right. And I would say another thing as far as week four and what I'm just kind of pulling as far as the season-long takeaway is the the tight ends are still just broken. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey and Andrews, they're going to, you know, always be ranked as a top three tight end just because of what they've historically done. But neither one of them has really – helped anybody's fantasy teams thus far. TJ Hawkinson has been the darling. And then other than him, probably Sam Laporta. So 
Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I guess you feel okay about starting a guy like Evan Ingram, Kittle, maybe Waller, maybe Goddard, but not really. I mean, tight end yeah. is just a wasteland. Yeah, wasteland. And everybody who drafted Cole Komet late, <laughs> that's been paying off the last two weeks. So True, especially Thursday night. So let's talk about Thursday night. We had Thursday night football on Amazon. We had the Bears um, against the Manders. So not like a high-octane matchup, but it ended up being, for a few players, pretty high-octane. So what do you think about Thursday night? Yeah, so Thursday night, I my, I coached my nephew's flag football team, and we played the best team in the league, and it was extremely dramatic, went to overtime, and we we made the last two game-winning plays um, to, to seal the deal and, and beat them. And I got back to my car, and all I saw was a bunch of texts, like, oh, my God, DJ Moore is going crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so immediately, man, I just – my stomach hurt, bro, and I just got this feeling because I don't have DJ Moore in any leagues, and I'm like, okay, how many leagues am I playing DJ Moore in? Because that's, uh, that's no. my luck. Yeah. Yeah, and I open up the app, and to my relief, I am not playing DJ Moore in any mm. leagues. So I was a, a, a immediately a happy camper, went back to the house and watched the rest of the game, and, you know, the, the Bears, man, they – Looked super good against the Broncos after looking abysmal. I, I kind of, after three weeks, was like the Bears might not win a game this season. In the last two weeks, they've looked good. I'm I'm much happier as a Justin Fields owner. <laughs> the last yep. two weeks to have him, I'm I'm one of those guys. I don't give up easy, and I didn't I didn't back off the ship. I was going to go down with it, and he's been playing pretty well the last two weeks. So happy about that. But yeah, I think the Bears can actually win maybe four or five games this year. And um, not be the worst team in the league again based on what we saw the last two weeks. Yeah, they do look way better. So I don't know what they did to turn that around and just open it up. But the offense looks good. I mean, the defense played good too. The Manders just didn't have any energy out there. But, yeah, on the DJ Moore deal, luckily I had him in the suspended league and I've needed that. I mean, I've been a little nervous about him since drafting him just with the first three weeks especially and yeah. that passing game just being anemic. But I knew there was talent there, and I knew they did plan to get him the ball. It was just kind of hopefully a matter of when, and then it all kind of came at once in week five. So that makes you feel good when you have a guy like that scoring 40, what, eight or nine points on Thursday. Right. But um, in, in our league, in the TCFC league, I've actually been trying to trade for DJ Moore for several weeks with Poston. And Poston has him, and like I said, the first three weeks, everyone was down on him. And in my opinion, when you trade for somebody, realistically, if you want to trade, you don't really go and get somebody that's been popping off because their owner doesn't want to trade them. I mean, you kind of want to get somebody who it looks pretty dire and you're going to buy them at a low point and hope for a rebound. And that's kind of what I was doing there with DJ Moore, just thinking, okay, maybe the rebound will come. Maybe Fields will get it going. Uh, and I, I had an offer out there for Jerry Judy, who's always been kind of fond um, to me, and then Jerry Judy, DJ Moore, for Nico, Elijah Moore, and Joshua Palmer. <laughs> and I'd, so I'd offered Nico, Elijah Moore, Joshua Palmer for Judy, DJ Moore. This was like 10 days ago. Actually, I'd offered another trade, and Poston had offered me that one back. And I didn't take it. 
I just kind of sat on it and he didn't have like an expiring offer. So it was just still out there ready to take. And then I watched what transpired Thursday night with DJ Moore and that explosion. And I texted you and I was like, Hey, I'm about to accept this offer that Poston still has on the table for DJ Moore and just kind of basically run his entire Friday morning. So I had to pick up Elijah Moore off the waiver wire because I had dropped him just so I would have the, the players in the trade to actually make the trade go through. So I picked up Elijah Moore Friday morning and then I accepted his offer that he still left out on the table. And um, the panic from Poston was awesome. It kind of just made me smile Friday morning. Yeah, man. Yeah, we sent Poston to a full spiral uh, Friday morning. He was calling me a communist and the Chinese president whatever his name is and he <laughs> yeah. was and he even he even launched his sob campaign dude and was telling Whitley that he thought that they were friends and then yeah. um yeah so we let it go on for a little while and then we felt kind of bad um, about it so we told him that it was just a prank and I vetoed the trade and uh, yeah. he got a good he got a good laugh out of it for sure and it's just kind of a that is one I'd say piece of advice and word to the wise is hey don't you know, put an expiring offer on your trade offer, you know, don't let it set out there for multiple weeks because things could really change. And then someone could surprise you and just accept it. And their commissioner might not be that as lenient, you know, and understanding. So yeah, I would always put expirations on every trade you send out there and sleepers good about that. As far as their platform, some others, you might actually have to go in there and cancel the trade, but I would always just kind of keep tabs on that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, my, my favorite time to trade is usually like Tuesday through Thursday, you know, put like a two day expiration day on it because you got one sitting out there and then a week goes by and games are played and the whole situation trade, the, the trade value changes dramatically. So um, get it done in between the, the games. Yeah, games played or like a, a bad injury too. Right, and- exactly you know, you could, they could accept your trade and which could be sending you an injured player for the rest of the year. So you want to protect yourself there. And then, yeah, Justin Fields, I mean, of course, DJ Moore eight, but Justin Fields, I mean, he had a get right game. That was awesome to see. And they really just used him the way that he's meant to be used as a running quarterback. Um, And the the offense looks great. I mean, uh, Herbert actually looked really good too. And then he got hurt, man. He, he bent backwards for that pass, trying to catch catch that pass from from uh, Justin Fields that was kind of underthrown. Yeah, and he put his knee and ankle into a pretzel, and he yeah. said he's okay. But I'd be a little wary about him. Roshan Johnson behind him has um, a concussion, so who knows what the Bears' backfield will look like in the next yeah. few weeks? But yeah, yeah, man, nobody and, does. So that that uh, that kind of slides us over here into the upcoming week um, here, yeah. obviously. Lots of interesting players. And one thing that, like, kind of gives us hope, last week we talked a little bit about, you know, how off the rankings were, how these all these random players that were there would kind of tail off by the end of the season. And it's interesting because just after last week, you already see it start to, to come back to normal. You know, if you're talking about just the top players on the season overall, then you saw that it started to average out a little bit. And some of those guys who weren't very big names that were kind of like overachieving kind of tapered off. And you see some much more fam- familiar names that were high draft picks in the top overall rankings. Uh, the, the running backs are definitely kind of skewed still, but everything is starting to, to normal out. And that brings us into this week's um, players. I know 
there's going to be a lot of uh, flops and pops. Who are some of those oh, yeah. names that you have on your on your pop list this week? Definitely. So to start, you know, we have four buys this week. We have the Cleveland Browns, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers are all on buy. So it's not buy Mageddon yet, but <laughs> we have we have quite a few fantasy managers <laughs> that are already dealing with four teams on buy. We've had the injuries stack up. So there's several players that we know are just weekly locked and loaded starters and several that we know are pretty much droppable, shouldn't even be on your roster. So there's no need to even discuss guys like that. Um, some of these guys are you're probably starting anyways, but I'm just going to say, hey, you should have more confidence in them and feel good about them being in your lineup tomorrow. So Sam Laporta, it was kind of the obvious one for me. And Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god, it looks pretty doubtful that he's going to play. I'm curious as to what kind of abdomen injury he has. I'm hoping it's not a sports hernia because that would that would be horrible for season season long um, with Amon Ra. But I'm hoping it's kind of like a strained oblique or something like that. And maybe he sets this week and is back for next week. But it does look pretty doubtful, especially the last 48 hours as far as Amon Ross St. Brown's status. And that just tells me Sam Laporte is going to get even more targets. So I would say with Amon Ra, he's probably, you know, around a five to eight target guy. Without Amon Ra in a game like this, he's probably going to be 10 targets. And so I think Sam Laporta will probably be a top three tight end, maybe even number one tight end on the week if he can find pay dirt. And then some other pops would be Michael Pittman and AR-15. So AR-15 has been incredible, nothing short of amazing. In uh, what was it, week two, he only played like one quarter and had almost 20 fantasy points. And he was out with a concussion on week three. But if you take his week one, his one quarter in week two, and his week four, he is like a top three quarterback. And um, Shane Steichen has been using him to his strengths, kind of like we saw Fields Thursday night being used to his strengths as a mobile quarterback. And that is a fantasy cheat code, as we all know. The Mm -hmm. Titans, who they're playing in week five, is a pass funnel defense. So AR-15 will get his usual rushing, his rushing pad to your fantasy stats. But the Titans, like I said, are hard to run the ball against. So caution to... Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor owners, but a guy like Michael Pittman should get funneled a ton of targets against the Titans defense. And he's got the eighth most targets so far, even after a bad week four. So I expect Michael Pittman AR 15 to do really nice things in week five. And then Alvin Kamara is another pop for me. He's 75% of snaps in week one. He got right back after that suspension. So they immediately went back to feeding him. And I like his matchup this week against New Orleans because I think uh, against New Orleans, against New England, because New Orleans should control that game. So Kamara should get lots of work and have a busy day. Zay Flowers for Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh against number one wide receivers on this year has they've number one wide receivers have averaged like 30 points a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we all know it's not Bateman or Odell at this point. So I expect Zay Flowers to have a very good day. And then my lastly for Pops is Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So they've been flops before for me. But I think with Brees Hall, he's finally got the training wheels off. And Robert Sala said there's no more more restraints on his workload. Dalvin Cook has been abysmal. 
So I think Brees Hall will get a full workload for the first time in week five. And then Garrett Wilson should have a nice day. We've seen some some good things from Zach Wilson, but they're playing against the Denver Broncos, and that's the main reason why these two are pops for me because the Denver Broncos defense has been just handing out tons of fantasy points to opposing players. So that's my pops for the week. What do you got, Zane? Yeah, man, so – Really good pops and flops there. Got a couple couple guys on the same list, but um, mine just kind of going off like this week's rankings and this week's like ADP of player performance. Um, I think like Cooper Cup is going to pop right now. He's ranked the 72nd player, and I was expecting that to move a lot before Sunday, and here we are on Saturday, and it really hasn't. Um, they've already said that you know he's working towards coming back with no restrictions at all, so that's good news. He's been out for four weeks. I can see him finishing a lot higher than, than 72 on that board. And then same with Sam Laporta. You know, one guy we both have interest in. If, if Monrod's out, which it looks like he is, Sam Laporta, number 66 overall, yeah, he could be a top 20 player on the week. I mean, the dude got like 10, 11 targets last week with Monrod there. And without him, you know, he could go to the moon. And then Miles Sanders is also a little bit low for me. I think he could be a pop this week going against Detroit. You know, I think with our game plan and Bryce Young, we're going to try to work him back in slow. I see more runs. He was kind of hurt last week. Still got 14 carries. If he's healthy and gets the full workload, I, I want—I definitely want to see a big week from Miles Sanders um, this week. And then a couple of flops of some guys that are ranked really high on the list right now that I just don't see it from. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Jamar Chase. You know, being ranked in the top eight, he's had one good game this year, and the Bengals just look broken. I wouldn't be surprised if that trend just continues. And then Tony Pollard, you know, going against the San Francisco 49ers. I just don't think he's going to be the number 11th overall player on the week. Um, I think he could still, you know, be startable and give you some good points. But the 49ers, for years, they just suppress running backs. And top 12 on the week, that's, that's going to be a tough accomplishment against that defense. And then... Another flop, A.J. Brown's another top 12 on the week projection. You know, I, I think I would be surprised if he even breaks into the top 24 um, this week. He had a monster game, and I think it's just going to be a roller coaster ride uh, for him. So a little bit too rich for my blood. Yeah, so David Montgomery is another, another flop for me this week. Hovering around the top 12 on the week, obviously he's got a great matchup with Carolina, but I finally think Jameer Gibbs is going to come through and get some more work this game. So I think it's going to be some split carries. They should be able to throw all over us uh, with, with our hurt cornerbacks and that situation going on. So um, I don't think he's going to be a top 13 player. It could be a flop on the week and just get closer to like 10 points there. And then uh, my last one here, man, Pikachu. I'm, I'm thinking Cup's going to come in and take some targets from, from him. And he's not going to get anywhere close to what he's been getting. So I think – He's going to be a little bit of a flop this week compared to what his projections are and what people's expectations are based on what he's been doing. I think that's smart um, to temper expectations with DeMont and and Puka, and especially with Puka, just because he has he needs those targets. And so if his targets go down from like twelve or fourteen a game down to six or seven, then he's not going to be as explosive of players as you know other guys that only need six or seven targets to have big weeks. Right. So that's pretty smart. And then I would say as far as my flops is 2-2 Atwell, which I kind of referenced earlier. I just think with Cup coming back, that's really going to hurt 2-2. 
And I, most people probably expect that and aren't going to plug Tutu in their lineups with, with Cup and Puka both out there. And I think the Cowboys offense as a whole, I mean, Dak, Prescott, I wouldn't really want to stream unless I had to. You mentioned Tony Pollard. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb should be their bright spot. He had a really good game against San Francisco in the playoffs. But other than that, I would not start Gallup, Cooks. I'm a little worried about Jake Ferguson even too. So the Dallas offense is going to struggle other than maybe CeeDee Lamb. And I do expect them to be chasing points. So Mm -hmm. another flop I would say is really a lot of the tight ends. I was looking – I'm in a predicament, and I've I've wasted so much fab going back and forth on just picking up fringe tight ends and and chunking them the next week for another fringe tight end. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I have I think Hunter Henry in my lineup right now, and when as I look into it and dig in, I think he's a flop versus New Orleans. They've been really good against tight ends on the year, and he's not just a volume heavy volume tight end to begin with. Then I looked on the waiver wire and I was like, well, I could pick up Kyle Pitts, but he's definitely a flop too this week. And I, I for him, it's a lot of reasons. I mean, Atlanta and Desmond Ritter are horrible, um, but I think he's still not fully healthy either. So that makes it even worse. And those mm-hmm. fantasy managers that have had Pitts in their lineup and watched Johnny Smith pop off instead of Kyle Pitts makes me think that his injury does have a little bit to do with it. But I'm hoping that he will turn the corner and get that knee right because I think in week 11 he had the MCL and he's been good enough to play, but I don't know if he's been effective enough for the Atlanta Falcons offense to really trust feeding him the ball. So that's the big problem there. And I don't, yeah. know, and I don't know when that knee will be right and they will trust it to feed him. Yeah, I'm just going to come out and say it about Kyle Pitts, man. So I don't know who I was saying this the other day too. I don't know if it was Zan – or maybe my uh, coworker at work, but I was kind of watching some Kyle Pitts plays and breakdowns and watching him, you know, live in the game because I obviously follow him on, on Red Zone because uh, he's on my team, see what he's doing. And I'm starting to think, man, like everybody is has been for the last two years been blaming the Atlanta Falcons. And I know he had a pretty good rookie season, but everybody's blaming the Falcons. And while obviously that does have a big part of it, like we're not giving – enough blame to Kyle Pitts himself, uh, himself, because he's not open <laughs> watching yeah. his routes. Like his routes are not that great. He's not getting open. And that's one thing I started to notice on my own, you know, watching the games live is that, okay, like he, he's not getting the ball thrown to him cause he's not open. <laughs> he's heavily guarded and you're relying on Ritter to make the perfect throw. You know, like he, if he had Matthew Stafford, yeah, he could get by with that, but he doesn't. And so it's just not a good combination. I think I said that a few episodes ago. And now I'm starting to see some, you know, YouTube compilation videos pop up on Kyle Pitts, highlighting all these routes that he just falls over, has terrible cuts, like just bad, bad route running. And when people start making compilation videos on YouTube on it, it's officially a thing. And so, (laughs) you know, Kyle Pitts is not a very good route runner. He's just a big body and he's kind of fast, but it's just not enough in that system and so I just don't ever see this turning around until he just gets on a different team with a quarterback like Stafford. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're talking about a guy whose success is situational, we can't really hold him in the top category. You know, he's not one of those guys that could just go play anywhere and be great because they're that talented. He's just not in that category. Yeah, I agree. So he's just – I agree with everything you just said. I think we just have to change our 
expectations around Kyle Pitts. And there were probably people beating the drum for that last year. And we had an off season to think about it and kind of get fired back up about him. But yeah, reality is setting in with Kyle Pitts and really a lot of the tight ends. So the young tight ends this year have been a pleasant surprise with Laporta, especially. And then Ferguson, you know, Musgraves, guys like that being at least interesting tight end options. But my last flop would be Trevor Lawrence. And really, Jacksonville Jaguar offense, I figured and was hoping it would be more electric than it has. There's still time. I mean, it's early in the year. But they're really slow as far as neutral, neutral, I guess, um, rate as far as a pass rate in neutral situations. And I don't know why that is. It seems like they have the weapons and would trust Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence just hasn't been that good. So I think it's going to be a rough go for them. I know it's technically a home game for the Bills next, I guess, tomorrow morning in London, Mm -hmm. but this Mm -hmm. will be the second game in a row for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they should, they should have like an advantage as far as time zone and things like that being acclimated over there. But I think the Bills will probably stomp them out, and I think Trevor Lawrence is not going to bust out of this slump yet. So, Yeah, for sure. Awesome, awesome. Well, just transitioning and sticking with that topic, you said that you got the the Buffalo Bills uh, beating Jacksonville tomorrow. That's our first game of the day. On the wrap of the episode, let's go through a pick'ems here. Let's make our predictions on tomorrow's games. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, yeah, we both. it sounds like we both have the Bills as far as the Sunday morning slate. Yes, sir. Bills, 100%. Yes. And then, and then uh, Houston and Atlanta. Spicy. Definitely. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Houston there for sure. I agree. I'm going to go with the with the rookie, C.J. Stroud, the guy that I wanted on, on my team to lead the Panthers. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to continue to watch him ball out against our division rivals while we lose to them. It's going to feel great. Yeah. And then uh, we have Carolina versus Detroit. So this is a pretty easy choice for me, sadly. I'm sorry, Zane. I know you're a Panthers guy, but the Lions have looked really good. So Carolina, Bryce Young will be back, which is nice. He can get that experience, but it might be a rough experience against the Lions. Yeah, for sure, man. Hey, hey, Siri, can you make a tea time tomorrow at 1 p.m.? <laughs> Because I would rather play golf than, than watch us just lose another game. Uh, yeah. I'm probably if I'm probably gonna watch Stroud ball out and just fantasize about him and Panthers colors, then watch us get blown out by Detroit. You know they're gonna absolutely smash us. They can <laughs> they can move the ball on us any way they want through the air or through the ground. So uh, it's gonna be a bloodbath in that slot. So yeah, I'm <laughs> picking Detroit as well. And then uh, we got Tennessee versus the Colts. So this one's a hard pick right here because the Colts have been playing so well. Tennessee hasn't, but then you saw Tennessee just come out and just obliterate the Bengals uh, last week. And so mm-hmm. now you're kind of wondering, like, this was an easy pick before, but now you're like, hmm, anything could happen here. It really could. I mean, Tennessee, it seems like they've never had the shiny toys other than Derrick Henry throughout the years, but Mike Vrabel just always gets them going, and they play tough defensively. I'm going to pick the Colts, honestly, though, I think. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I expect AR-15 and Pittman to have a big game. So, um, it, But it will be tougher tougher than probably most are expecting. Yeah, man, for sure, man. You just walked straight into the bar and, and told the girl who's eyeing you, man, that 
She's smart <laughs> and beautiful, man, but just not your type. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm going to do the same thing, man. I'm right behind you uh, talking to her friend, dude, and I agree. I, I uh, think, the, think the Titans have a lot going for them, but the culture is more exciting right now, and JT's coming back. So uh, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, think they're going to be a lot better than we thought, and I'm already eating crow on Anthony Richardson. I didn't think he had it in him, but he's looked great through, through the games he's played in so far. Yep. And then we have the Giants versus the Dolphins. I mean, it's even worth talking about this one. So we <laughs> for sure got to pick the Dolphins here. My hope for the Giants is just their offensive line at least holds up for them to develop a couple plays, a couple drives that are worth watching. That's really yep. all I'm asking for here. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then next, I obviously Dolphins as well. Next, we got New Orleans versus New England. Another kind of the battle of the buns here. Another tough one to predict. Yeah, I'm going to go New Orleans, and I'm assuming – I haven't checked lately, but I think Carr is good to go. I know he had the AC shoulder sprain. Am I am I right on that? Is Carr playing? Yeah, I believe he's trying to come back and play. Okay. Yeah, if he comes back, I think he'll beat, I think he'll beat New England. So, I'm going to go New Orleans, even though it's in Foxborough. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm going to go New Orleans as well because New England just cannot throw the ball. Matt Jones has looked pretty bad. He He's shown flashes and quarters, but they just can't put it together for a whole game. The game plan seems kind of bad um, there, and their strength is running the ball, and they're just not very good at that either um, right now. And yep. New Orleans is really good at defending the run. So they're going to make Matt Jones throw, and I don't think he can get it done either. So, yeah, I, I got New Orleans. Okay, and our picks have been pretty chalk, but I'm about to veer off on you right here. So Baltimore versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to say at home, T.J. Watt, Rex Havoc, and the Pittsburgh Steelers come away with an upset. Yeah, I'm definitely going to differ from you here. Um, the Ravens <laughs> looked good against the Browns, and the Steelers were getting their Heineans blown out by the, <laughs> by the Texans. Um, so I think that takes a lot of confidence out of the Steelers team. And that's a nasty rival. And I think the confidence is going to be on the side of the Ravens and they pull it off. But uh, TJ Watt went up against the worst offensive line in the league last, last week. And the whole team as a whole did nothing. So I think they bounced back a little bit from that, but I don't think it's enough. Yeah. I think, like I said, Baltimore should win that game, but I could see a world where Pittsburgh defense creates enough havoc Lamar Jackson doesn't have good enough ball control has some turnovers maybe puts a couple fumbles a couple on the ground maybe throws a pick and the Pittsburgh defense with that home field advantage kind of carries them and squeaks one out and then next we have uh, Philadelphia and the Los Angeles Rams and maybe just because I hate Philadelphia but I'm picking the Rams here too so I think um, I think the, the Rams <laughs> with Cooper Cup back and a few games under their belt with some of their young players they're they're depending on this year will give Philly a tough, tough matchup. And it's in SoFi Stadium, so I'm going to go with the Rams here. Yeah, I was a little worried about the Rams preseason, thinking that Cup was the only person, then he went down, and wow, you just lost your one receiver on the team, now you have nothing but rookies. Like This is going to be abysmal, but it's actually best-case scenario because Stafford was able to use that time to develop a ton of chemistry with his receivers that he previously didn't have any with, and they've proven themselves worthy. I mean, obviously, Pikachu is the best receiver in the NFL right now, so now you add a, a, a Cooper Cup stack in there. All of a sudden, this is looking like a high-powered offense with the emergence of Tutu, 
Pikachuwa and Kyron Williams as not only contributors, but some of the best fantasy players and best NFL players, period, in the league right now. And now you're adding the King back in there. Um, so this could turn into a high-powered offense. And, yeah, I think they beat the Eagles. Yeah, what makes me worried about make, calling this upset is just Philly is so much better on up front on both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if the Rams offensive line can keep up with Philly's defensive line attack and the same as with Philly, if they just decide to run the ball, I don't know if the Rams can honestly stop them with their push they get from up front, but we will see tomorrow. And then uh, we have Cincinnati versus the Cardinals. What do you got there? I got the Bengals, man. They have to, they absolutely have to. There's no, there's no option to lose this game here or else if they do, we're not talking about the Bengals the rest of the season. So, yeah, the NFL is basically going to make sure this one's scripted mm-hmm. is what we're saying because the Cardinals yeah. should be tanking for Caleb yeah. Williams and the Cincinnati Bengals should be marching towards the playoffs. So, correct. I'm guessing, yeah, the NFL is going to pull the strings make that happen. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think this is do or die for the Bengals. And um, Joe Burrow, he knows that this is it. So, they should be able to beat the Cardinals. But, I don't know, my Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a surprise, um, actually – competent team so we will see it's in arizona as well so i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna side with you here and go go Bengals. but i'm i'm nervous about that one yeah i'm i'm very 50 50 but i think the script's gonna gonna come out and leak and we're gonna have more confidence in the Bengals. (laughs) yeah and then what do you think as far as jets versus the broncos man i got i got the jets here man the broncos i'm just like i don't know why but over the past few years it's kind of the team i'm pulling against right now like the, the conceitedness of the trade and then they flop and then they get Sean Payton. And it's like, Oh, this is going to change everything. And the flop. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying the, the flops at the Bengals, man. So I'm picking the jets here, man. Zach Wilson played great last game. Then he comes out and I would love to see Russell Wilson lose to Zach Wilson, the battle of the Wilsons. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to go with Denver and I think the jets will get it going, but I think Russ has been a little bit better this year. And um, I think it'll be another close nail-biter that Zach Wilson will probably cough up some turnover towards the end and, and lose it for the Jets. So, But I yeah, would like to sure. see the Jets win, but I'm going to have to pick Denver there. And then we have Kansas City Chiefs versus the Minnesota Vikings. On that one, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, which I, again, like this last matchup we just discussed. I think it'll be a close one, and I think Minnesota will again this year choke a close matchup, unlike – winning all of those one-score games last year, where we'll see the continuation of the reverse effect of that. Yeah, I got I got the upset here, man. Vikings ever Chiefs. That's all I'm going to say. I like it. I like it. <laughs> if at home, I mean, the Vikings, and like they're a do-or-die. This is a do-or-die week for them, just like the Bengals. So if they have hopes yep. for the playoffs, they need this one bad. And then yep. man, the Cowboys versus the 49ers. Um, I'm picking the 49ers, so my yep. my brain tells me to do that, even though my heart doesn't want to. But um, yep. I've, I've got a the 49ers might be the best team in the NFL. Yep, for sure. You know, Dak's going to try to force some things, and it's not going to work out that well uh, for him this time around. And I think we are definitely going to see um, him throw some interceptions, man. And you just cannot give the 49ers short field position with the defense in the run game. So. I got the 49ers as well. Yep. And then our last game is the uh, Monday night game. 
the Green Bay Packers versus the Los, An- Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm going to go with the Packers. And I think Romeo Dobbs, Aaron Jones, and Christian Watson will all find the end zone. I think it'll be a higher scoring game than everyone thinks. Um, Devontae Adams will continue having a nice year. Jacoby Myers as well. So I think it'll be high scoring, but I think the Green Bay Packers will get it done on the road. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think the Raiders are kind of lost right now. It was hilarious when they let Derek Carr go the way they did as well. And then went and got Garoppolo. He was the savior. You know, I've been saying for years, Garoppolo is okay, but he's just extremely average. And most people have. That's not like some kind of breaking take. I think most people in the football world acknowledge the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo was a product of the 49ers and not the other way around. You know, he's not, he's Tom Brady that can just win Super Bowls anywhere. It was the team that made Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was foolish to think that he could go to the Raiders, a historically bad and failed program in the last couple decades, and think that he could turn that around. I mean, he was not an upgrade from Derek Carr. And he's thrown a lot of interceptions and didn't look that great. And there are already rumblings about Aiden O'Connell being the starter, you know, to finish the second half of the season. So I think the Packers uh, win this one as well. I think the the Raiders uh, meltdown continues. I like it. And then lastly, before we finish up, just shout out to um, the TCFC League. I mean, we have Blake setting atop the standings at 8-0. So shout out to him. He is the leader right now. And then in our suspended league, we have JB as number one seed with most points scored at three and one. So shout out to Beezer and Blake as far as um, their start to the season. And it looks like they could continue on. So, um, like I said, yeah, Blake, shout out those guys that are killing it. Blake's definitely the surprise team, man. Eight no when he was projected to, to be absolutely last. Um, I don't know how he does it, man, but I'm still waiting for his team to fall apart, man. This week it looks like it finally might a little bit, but we'll see how it finishes up, dude. He's he's not far off from already just locking in the playoff bird. So he's chilling right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anything else we going to cover before we sign off here? No, I think we pretty much all man. All right. I appreciate everybody for listening. Sorry we went about a week without a podcast even though we had a good excuse for it. But um, we should start getting more regular as far as these episodes and at least crank out a couple of weeks. So good luck to everybody in week five.